you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurelien Mottier, and I'm here today with Alex Jakovic from Operatics. How are you, Alex? I'm very well. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. You are one guest that I, probably the guest since the beginning of the podcast that I know the best, someone that I'm actually working with on a daily basis because you are VP of operation in Europe here at Operatics. But we've had uh, quite a few requests from listeners and also some of our guest suggestions about sharing some of the best practices and the intelligence and, and giving some of, uh, some of our secrets away as to how we, we manage to do what we do here at Operatics. So we thought it would be a a great way to have you talking into the podcast. And, and we picked a, a topic around motivating your sales team in stressful times. But before we got started, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey within Operatics? Yeah, sure. So I've got an interesting journey and I think a bit of an advocate here in terms of what we like to do, which is, and I think I speak for nearly everybody in the senior management position, which is our ethos. And I started at the bottom. And by that, I mean, I was employed as a business development executive. I had a couple of clients and I was on the phones. I had to earn my money by delivering meetings, just like every new rep to which I found I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge and I enjoyed being able to book, you know, quality meetings for our clients. I was lucky enough after a relatively short period of time to then take a small team and manage them directly. And then as time has gone on, I've been able to expand that team. We've grown as a business. I've learned a lot around business and how to run a small business unit. And as our reputation has spread and our good work has come to the fore, now after around a year and a half of managing a smaller subset of the team, I was promoted to to, uh, vice president of EMEA operations. Now we've got around 70 people in Europe reporting directly into me and a lot of clients and, and a fantastic journey so far over the last two and a half years and, and long may it continue. Yeah, well, I've been witnessing the journey and you, you definitely have done well from a from appointment setter, which is kind of the lowest kind of rank you can get within operatics to now managing the team and, you know, basically being number one in Europe from an operation perspective is, is definitely impressive. So congratulations to you. So what we wanted to talk about, we are mid-December at the time of recording this podcast. And we all know that the Christmas and holidays period is often hectic and very stressful as people are under pressure to meet target, deadline, and they often lack focus to get everything done in time. So it's extremely stressful for everyone. We also have that holiday feeling. So we know that resources and individuals may be thinking about their Christmas holiday, buying some presents for their family and all that sort of great stuff. So it's a little bit of, a, of an interesting period of the year. But what would be your advice to sales executives to keep their focus and concentrate their efforts into achieving their targets without getting distracted by either the pressure or the holiday period? Yeah. And again, we get the same kind of thing in summer, really. And to that, I say, well, ironically, actually, the, the December and the summer months are some of our best months as a business. And there's a very simple reason for that. Is, and it's exactly what you just said there, Ray. And that is people think that everyone's got that holiday feeling and everybody, no one's going to be there and everybody shuts down. But actually, that's some of the best times to call because because everyone else thinks that. They don't bother to make that extra effort. They don't bother to reach out. They don't put that call in at, at six o'clock. And perfect example 
is um, just coming into this now, and I can say this with complete sincerity, is um, one of our guys booked two meetings after 6.30 in the UK market yesterday, and already we've got a response from the client saying, fantastic, can't believe this has happened. And it's just a testament because people are around. In fact, they're in a good mood. It's Christmas. So (laughs) if people use that as a negative, I've got very simple philosophy when it comes to motivating and getting people to maybe revisit their initial thought structure when it comes to, oh, this is going to be hard. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. That is just a ready built-in excuse. You've got nice and, and they're ready for people if you get questioned on activity. There's no excuse for not putting the same activity. And if anything, you should be looking at this as negative to positive. And that's one of the yardsticks I say when it comes to motivating any team, regardless of it being sales. But in our particular environment, you've got to look at every single roadblock as a chance to get over it and how you're going to do it. So for me, you look at that common theory of no one's going to be around to say, well, actually, if everyone else thinks that, then surely here's a chance for me to try. And that's what we do. So it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but I push the team to to put that extra activity in. And also I say, well, what pressure, what more pressure are we talking about here? The pressure to go and earn money? I mean, <laughs> that's what the job is here in the first place. You've done it throughout the year. I'm telling you that you can do it at this time of year because we've proven it as a business that these are some of our best months. Yeah, Watch it happen. And I put a couple of incentives in place there as well. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to say that most people realize very quickly that if they put that activity in, the pressures soon go away. Absolutely. More activity. What, what we tend to see, we tend to see prospects and buyers to be probably more inclined to have a conversation. I think I think most of our clients, and that's going to kind of be my next question, but around the excuses of the holiday, uh, but most of our clients tend to associate the Christmas period as a, as a dead period. And I think if you look at it from a, a closing perspective, of course, if you don't have a deal already in the pipeline in October, September, or even June, or even January from the previous from that year, depending on the length of your sales cycle, you will have no chance to find a new opportunity and close it in December. However, I do believe, and as you said, we see it through the stats and through the success that we're having, that both summer pile and Christmas are absolutely fantastic time to engage. So that's kind of leading me to my next question, which is, do you believe that people use the excuse of holiday to not kickstart some projects or, or, or delay some of them after the holiday? And, and then most importantly, because I think your answer will be yes, <laughs> most importantly, how do you think that can be avoided? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's amazing how many times that kind of comes up. And the beauty of that excuse is a lot of it's based on someone that maybe hasn't been here that long or has made 10 calls that day or has tried it, you know, let's say uh, for the first week of July. And then all of a sudden they come back and give us that feedback. It's a myth. It's it's a myth that we dispel on a, on a yearly basis along those times. Very simply, and you've got to ask yourself one question, Ray, and I know you can you can answer it from a sales perspective as well in terms of new business, which is, well, I'm working. You're here. We're talking about it. So first of all, you're in the office. And all of a sudden, in what world do we live in where all of the C-level people, all senior management, all decide to go off on holiday for two months? Of course, it doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know anybody that does that or has the chance to do it. Again, and I just repeat what I said before, it's that chance where if people are assuming that, then brilliant. Long may it continue. I want them to keep thinking that because the longer that they think that, we'll just keep cleaning up and we'll speak to all the people that are at their desks who probably have maybe a bit more time on their hands in this period because less people are bothering to contact them for the very reasons that we've discussed. So 
It's a myth, an easy one to dispel from my perspective because the stats are there and the evidence is there. But like I said, as long as it, as long as the myth keeps going, I'd be happy for people to keep assuming that. Otherwise, you know, it might get a bit tougher for us to do our job. But again, it goes to activity and it goes to the, the same kind of things we say when, when some of our clients actually say, well, I'm not sure it's a difficult period. I'll say, well, okay, well, if you, how much pipeline have you got? What do you need? What do you need to close? If you don't want to start things in December because you think it's a dead month, we, we're then going to start it in January. And then there's a ramp up period. Well, why don't we start it now? We're going to get some results before January. And the moment January the 2nd comes, we're going to be absolutely on fire being able to be a step ahead ramp up period. There is no negative. It's all positive. Okay. So we've been focusing very much on the end user and the fact that they're probably a little bit more relaxed, that they're cleaning up their schedule, that they've got more time in the office, so they will be more reactive to account-based selling touches or account-based marketing touches, such as email, calls, social touches, and all that sort of great stuff. So appreciate that. We spoke about the perception of our clients who are like, oh, no, we can't start something in December because December is dead. And you know, ultimately, I think we, we discuss, and I think it's fair to agree that there may be one week in December, which is basically the last week of December, where people are getting into the festive period. But executives, people will really make decisions, even if they are away, still need to keep their finger on the pulse and maybe more reachable during that time than any other time of the year. So you see that as an opportunity. Now, let's turn towards your team and your people, because yeah. that's, that's another element. You know, it's all good to have that. You can have people being available, et cetera, et cetera. But you can have a very bad mindset in your team where people are just wearing a Christmas jumper, wants to go to have parties, wants to have shorter days, the all that sort of great things that come with the festive spirit. So I won't ask you the question if, do you believe in motivation? Because I've seen you in action and I, and I know that you believe in motivation and particularly for what we do, motivation is key. But how can you as a sales leader make sure that your team is feeling motivated through that festive period, that, that breakup? You know, we also spoke about the summer. So let's not just focus on Christmas, but let's also focus on the summer time where people are on holiday, et cetera, et cetera, because it's a rumor. It's that myth. But how do you make sure that you break that myth and get them to deliver, get them to be focused on what they do? Well, there's a, I mean, as a business, we've, we've obviously got certain KPIs and things that we have to hit internally here anyway. So in terms of keeping, because you're right, it can be, again, you can talk all you like and, and get people to believe it, if you like, but the, proof, the proof's always in the pudding. But very simply, we've got a set of KPIs. There's a certain amount of actions that I expect people to do every day, and we monitor that. We monitor it closely. So there isn't really ever going to be an avenue where people can't put the activity in. In terms of the motivation, of course, then that in turn goes to making sure that they're doing the basics correctly. So what we will do is we'll put a bit more emphasis, let's say, in those months around making sure that the guys plan ahead, make sure that they structure the day accordingly. So a lot of our focus when it comes to the end of it each day, for instance, will be making sure that the moment they get into work the next day, they've got the next 15 people that they know that they can ring and they've got a chance of booking it. So why is that important? Why does it help with motivation? Well, if you come into the office and somebody's already got two leads, five leads, seven leads, and it's not even nine o'clock, then that motivates you to try and challenge each other. And it also gives everybody the confidence that the meetings are there, the leads are there, the engagements are there, and the people are there. So I think it's a bit of a cliche, but it's very true in, in, in how to motivate a team is success breeds success. And if you see your colleagues doing it, just if you're in, if I'd like to think that if you're in my team or in our team, you're going to have that natural competitiveness that comes with being every good salesperson has. So 
it goes back at, you know, we want to go back a little bit further very quickly. It would be around, well, what do I see in the interviews? I want to see that competitiveness. I want to see inquisitiveness. I want to see curiosity. I want to see energy. So if I've got those things as a, a, as a yardstick from the team, all you really need to do is just put in a couple of incentives, leaving early. That's fine. That can happen. But I think more along long time at team incentives and getting the team together as one and, and understanding the best practices. So what we'll do is we'll have a breakaway session at the end of every day and we'll say, right, okay, what worked today for you? What worked? And we share best practices. And then all of a sudden, everybody feels that they're part of a successful unit and a team that's willing to share, you know, share knowledge. And everybody's out to, to look after each other. You know, we're not in a, in a kind of a jump over each other, Wolf of Wall Street scenario when it comes to that kind of thing. It's a very supportive atmosphere. So I think if you create those things, really the motivation comes from within and, and people become self-motivated. But you've got to put that environment there to make sure people feel that they're supported. Okay. Well, that's, that's very good and very comprehensive. Now, in terms of the incentive, you mentioned a few. You mentioned money, time off, social, fight in the back and everything. If you were to pick one, and just to give an advice to our audience, which one would you say is the one that drives teams the best to get results out of them in, in that myth period that is either Christmas or, or, or the summer? <laughs> That's a very good question. So without kind of ignoring that and, and not giving you an answer, <laughs> I'm going to... I'm going to pick a couple of options, if you don't mind. So one, I would say it does come down to the individual. individual. We, you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. And I'm, you know, one member of my team might be a young man that wants to go and watch a football game. So for me, that's a very easy thing to do. Tickets, it depends where you go, of course. If you're a Chelsea fan like me, you've got to save up for three years to go to one game. But mm. let's just say that you know, I know for a fact that, that that might be his motivation. I'll put an incentive in there to say, well, if you overachieve your target by 20%, obviously we're in sales here. I'm never going to say just hit your target. Overachieve your target, then you can go to a you know, Chelsea game, whatever, the next one. and Or, or the next one will be, right, okay, it's a, a you know, mother of three, take your children to, the, to Alton Towers or something like that, or the zoo. So you look at that and you look at what different things incentivize people for number one. But I'm afraid we, it, it's, a lot of the time it's money it, and it should be money. But we've got a brilliant job, right? We've got a job where you can talk to people, you can get people to do things that they necessarily didn't want to do when they woke up and it's that for their benefit. That in itself is a buzz and people actually pay you for that buzz. I mean, that's what I say to the team. So why don't you want more of it? Do more. And when they think of it that way, generally, when they start to see their commission, they think, yeah, actually, this, this kind of speaks for itself. Time off is always going to be a good one because who wants to be at work? But at the end of the day, you know, we've got the weekends, we've got the evenings, you know, what more do they want? But uh, okay. <laughs> it's, normally, it's normally understanding what makes that individual tick. And in terms of your focus, do you, do you drive your... So first of all, thanks for, for answering the question. I'm, I agree with you. And, and I think you need to adapt the incentive to the people you've got in your team. Because if you've got an incentive for our next box, but you've got lots of people who don't play video games, I mean, how do you expect to motivate them? So that's, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and you need to adapt to what they want and their personality. Now, my, my other question is still around the incentive, because I think it's important to put this in, those incentives in place um, and see people being successful through those incentives. Where do you put your focus in terms of incentive? Do you put your focus in terms of the productivity or the quality of the production? So I guess there is two things you can do. Yeah. You, can, you can just get a lot of volumes. You can get lots yeah. of actions. You can get people and say, well, look, if you do, if you do 150 
actions per day, calls, social, emails, whatever touches, which is probably 25, 30% more than what we would expect the rest of the year, are going to give you that much money or they give you that this or that? Yeah. Or are you actually looking at the results of the work and say, well, look, it's, you can do as many touches as you want, but for me, it's really the quality that matters well. Yeah. Do you, or do you focus on both? Well, yeah, I, again, yeah, it's pretty much, I'd say, one of the biggest parts of my job. And to use a sporting analogy, which I hope sums it up, it would be um, trebles for show, doubles for dough. And what I mean by that is you can, in, in darts, you can hit the treble 20 as much as you can, get down to a finish. But if you can't finish on a double, all of that stuff that goes before is meaningless. So what do I mean by that as an analogy? So you can book thousands of meetings, you can do hundreds of calls, but if those meetings don't happen and they're not of the requisite quality that I expect and our clients expect, it is meaningless. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, and that's not how we built our business. So absolutely, we've got to monitor activity because that's our that's our yardstick. And then we can, exactly like you said there, Ray, you can start looking at, where you can tweak and help and, and make people more productive. But people buy from people. We build our relationships and sales is built on trust. That's why when you go for high-level jobs, people want to know what your contacts are and uh, what your network's like. Otherwise, they wouldn't bother. And it's the same with us. We need, you need to understand that quality is what keeps our clients and will always keep our clients. Of course, we've got an SLA we expect to hit. We're going to lose money if we don't hit that SLA in a lot of cases. So that goes without saying. But you must always endeavor to do the best job that you can. And for me, that means that your meetings, if should you book them, are attended, are exactly as you said that, to the client that they would be, and they're of with the sole intention of getting ROI and, and essentially close net new business for our clients. So for me, that will always be the yardstick uh, to which I look to the team. Okay. Well, that, 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 that sounds very, very fair. In, in, so we spoke about the stressful times and we, we, we had a bit of a focus in the conversation because it's, we are seasonal, I guess. And we're also looking at it from, from the optic of a European business because you, you are out of our European operations. When do you think are the most stressful time over the course of the year? And I think, you know, it could be stressful time for us. It could be stressful time for our clients because at the end of the day, we work with salespeople. So I'm expecting yeah. them to be under a certain amount of stress at the end of the quarter. I'm expecting them to be under a certain amount of stress at the end of the year. But if you were to just, if we were to defocus from Christmas and look at the whole year, so if we took 2019, for example, can you pinpoint for us and our audience when those stressful moments are likely to happen? Because I guess at the end of the day, it's about planning probably a month, two months in advance of those stressful moments to make sure that you don't have a downtime. So it's communicating with your team and not waiting the 15th of December to tell them, well, look, Christmas is coming, do something about it. So in order to help our listener planning, could you could you pinpoint when those stressful moments are from your perspective and or will be in 2019? Yes, I mean... And I'll give you two different responses based on a rep perspective and, and I suppose in terms of a, a team, a mere perspective from my side. So from my side, it would always be there shouldn't be a time when it should be particularly stressful, very simply. But, and the only time it will do would be if, if I'm not planning ahead accordingly. There'll always be dips. There'll always be changes, let's say, in terms of our clients' needs and expectations. That's just life. But I think if, as long as you're making sure that you've got a solid structure and you plan, you know, like my resourcing is done a month in advance things can change and sometimes i change my resourcing five times in a day 
that's what I'm paid to do. But you've got to keep a level head and you can't let anything deviate you from, from your end goal, which is making sure that you you, you plan accordingly. So I'd, I would say as long as you're doing that, you should be able to mitigate against any stress that may come your way. I don't look at it in, in a seasonal point of view. I, I look at it from a, you know, a language point of view. That It may be that there's a requirement urgently. And I'll be honest and I'll say, look, if we can't do it, we can do it. And I think that that plays a big part in it from a rep perspective. And again, I can use my own experience. My second month was not as good as my first month. And I think the biggest challenge that the reps have in terms of when when they find stress uh, is when they're not performing maybe to their colleague standard or to their own personal standard. And it's very, very easy to get demotivated and to not pick up that phone like you would have done before. Uh, And that's really where people need to feel that they've got a supportive environment around them. And that's where myself and the team will revisit things and go, right, let's get back to basics a little bit here. Let's look at how you're structuring the way that you work. And really, you take their mind off the stress and you give them activities to do. You give them a process to follow. And by that time, they've forgotten about the stress because they're embedded in in, uh, other actions. And, And that requires a lot of maintenance on a daily basis because, again, you're dealing with human beings that are going to be up and down, just like you know any business that relies on a client set, uh, there's going to be things out of, out of your control. As long as you've got enough in the pipeline, and that means net new business, that means pipeline for our clients, and that means net new reps coming in. As long as you're on top of that, then you should be in a position where any stressful events that come, you'll be able to already have a plan in place to mitigate against them. Okay. So there is no stressful time. It's all about being prepared. I like that. Well, it's like that's the duck analogy, isn't it? Or the swan analogy, you know, underneath the water, the, the legs are flapping away, but there's a calm exterior above the water. Um, like I always <laughs> say to you, Ray, like I, had, I had long black hair when I joined and now I've got, I've got hardly any hair and it's all white. So I'll it's let you be the judge of whether it's stressful. Well, my judgment is that you still look fantastic. So that we're all good. So thanks for all that, Alex. I think, I think it was useful and I'm sure our audience is, is taking a lot from your advice and, and your way of doing things, basically. Now, if anyone wants to connect with you in order to learn a little bit more about driving sales team and planning for driving sales team and all around operatics, what, what would be the best way to connect with you? Well, I'd probably say LinkedIn is a good way. I'm quite active on LinkedIn, always free to connect with anybody that wants to understand more. I'm also, you know, I'm also very interested in other people's ideas when it comes to their thoughts and, and experiences when it comes to either running a team or advice because yeah i mean we talk about the challenges that come across us and i think anybody that works in operations will always know that you've got to juggle a lot of things at the same time it is a fine art but it's one where i would never change it because every day is different and not a lot of jobs can say that i'm contactable via the website as well and all of my contact details are on linkedin should anybody want to engage with me further i'll be happy to talk okay excellent Well, many thanks again, Alex. It was great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Ray. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. 
Until next time.